And the title of last week was You Meant It for Evil. And we talked about how Joseph forgave them and how Joseph overlooked them. But Joseph understood that they really meant it for evil, but God meant it for his good. So God took something evil, turned it into something good. Uh, tonight we want to talk about administrate the dream. Um, would you, can you do that, Kenny? I didn't know if you were. Can you pass these out? There's uh, 20 of them, so there should be enough, but make sure every adult at least gets one. And uh, couples can share if we have to, but I think we have enough. The life of Joseph is a, a very interesting one. Of all of the people in Scripture, Joseph seemed to have been the one that received the greatest and grandest of personal dreams. Uh, God revealed to him that his brothers, the forefathers of all of the tribes of Israel, would bow down to him. Uh, in retrospect, it's apparent that had it not been for Joseph's intervention, the future Hebrew nation would have perished in the terrible famine that happened in his day. But we read in Scripture, Genesis 37, 5, it says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And they said unto him, we have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter. In Genesis 40, verse 5, it says, And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not <clears throat> interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And then in Genesis 41 and 15, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And as we said a minute ago, Joseph, uh, of all of the men in the Old Testament, of all of the women in the Old Testament that have had a relationship with God, uh, Joseph's dream is, is one that is on everybody's lips. When you consider the greatness and the grandness of God, when you consider uh, the, the family relationship and the power of God's deliverance, you, you always think of Joseph, his coat of many colors, and the dream that he had of his brothers and so forth. But like most biblical characters, uh, the road to Joseph's dream was long, and it was hard. Uh, we have a different perspective on his life than he did at the time. You see, 2020 is the vision looking back. And that's how we look back on Joseph's life. And we look back and we understand now the purpose of the hardships and the trials. But Joseph did not know the end of the story. Joseph didn't understand at the time where his life was going to take him. He did not know that he would end up in Egypt. He did not know a man named Potiphar. He did not know that ultimately he would wind up in a prison cell. He didn't know that there would be a baker and a, a, a wine taster that would be there. He did not know those things, and he had no understanding of what was going on. 
For all he knew, his dreams had been shattered forever by the cruel actions of his brother. Put yourself in his place for a moment and think of uh, yourself of having these grand dreams and these ambitions and the belief that God's hand is upon you and that God has a direction he is taking your life and then suddenly you find yourself looking up from the bottom of a pit where those who claim to love you have very cruelly thrown you down in there and left you there. Can you just imagine the hurts and the pains of the struggle that he must have gone through? During that moment, Joseph did not know where he would end up. He had a dream, but that's all he had. We look back and we've got the dream and we've got history. We can see why things happen. We can watch the way they played out over time. We can read about it in the word of God. And so therefore, that understanding brings to us a hope. And it brings to us a realization that God had his hand in Joseph's life all along. But Joseph didn't have that advantage. All he had was his dream. All he had was what he hung on to. In Genesis 37, 19 and 20, it says, And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Do you catch the venom there dripping from their fangs as they say that? They were, they were desperate to not only crush Joseph, but crush his dream as well. They were desperate to not only get rid of him, that would have been enough, but you'll notice that antagonism that was there surrounded them and then enveloped their whole bitterness had to do with the dream. They seemed to tolerate the coat of many colors. They seemed to deal with that. Well, you're daddy's favorite. How many families have had that discussion? Well, you're just daddy's favorite. You're just mama's favorite. And when Joseph got the coat of many colors, that's all that they dealt. They just knew that, well, he's just daddy's favorite. But when you accompany that with the fact that Joseph had a dream and a vision of God, then that was too much for them to handle. For many people, such a setback would have been the end of the road because their attitude from that point on would have done them in but not Joseph the next time we see him he's involved wholeheartedly in making the dreams of others come true what a strength of character he had he had many reasons to remain uninvolved to remain outside of the realm of opportunity. He could uh, have not given his energy to the dreams, and, and there were many reasons for that. Number one, his dreams were not coming true. Why should he worry about what other people dreamt about when his own dreams were not coming to pass? Makes sense, doesn't it? He could have said, you know what? His brethren had done wrong to him. 
And that could have brought out bitterness and, and, and hatred in his life. He could have said his circumstances were unfair. These are all things that would have been so easy for him to contemplate and easy for him to, to rely on. But thankfully, he did not do that. You see, your attitude will often determine your actions. How you allow yourself to think about the things that happen to you. How you allow yourself to, to think about the circumstances that life brings your way. The greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitude of mind. That was a quote from William James, a psychologist. That you can alter your life when you alter your attitude. David Brinkley, television journalist from Days Gone By, once said, A successful man is one who can lay a firm foundation with the bricks others have thrown at him. I like that one. With the bricks that others have thrown at him. Victor Frankl, he had this to say. He was also a survivor of the Holocaust. He said, the last of our human freedoms is to choose our attitude in any given circumstance. The last of our human freedoms is to choose our attitude in any given circumstance. And lastly, a fellow by the name of Eugene Peterson. Pity is one of the noblest emotions available to human beings. Self-pity is possibly the most ignoble. An incapacity, a crippling emotional disease that severely distorts our perception of reality, a narcotic that leaves its addicts wasted and derelict. In other words, folks, self-pity is not going to get you anywhere. There's a reason they call it self-pity, because it's you feeling sorry for yourself. It's called pity when somebody feels sorry for you. That would be a more beneficial thing, wouldn't it? But self-pity means I'm the only one that cares about me. We feel that way sometimes, but it doesn't really get us anywhere. Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite uh, authors, uh, tells the story of Chippy the parakeet. Listen to this. The bird's problems began when the woman who owned him decided to do something nice for her sweetly singing companion and clean up the seeds and loose feathers from the bottom of his cage using a vacuum. When the phone rang, the owner turned to pick it up, and with a thud and a whoosh, Chippy was gone. The owner quickly turned off the vacuum, unzipped the bag, and there was Chippy, stunned but, but breathing. Seeing that he was covered with black dust, his owner rushed Chippy to the bathtub where she turned on the faucet full blast and held the bird under the icy water. 
At that point, she realized that she'd done even more damage. And she quickly cranked up her blow dryer and gave the wet, shivering little parakeet a blast. Needless to say, <laughs> Chippy doesn't sing anymore. People who are unable to overcome their setbacks are a little like Chippy. They allow their negative experiences to color the way they live their lives. They allow those circumstances to determine who they are and what they are. The story of two frogs fell into a, a can of cream. <laughs> or so I've, you know, heard it told this way anyway. And um, the two sides of the can were shiny and steep. The cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, one of them said. Tis fate. No helps around. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, cruel world. And weeping still, he folded his hands and drowned. But the second frog, of a little sterner stuff and mental capacity, he dog paddled in surprise. And while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes, I'll swim a while, at least, he said, or so it has been told. It wouldn't really help the world if one more frog was dead. An hour or two, he kicked and swam. Not once did he stop to mutter, but kicked and swam and swam and kicked, then hopped out via butter. All of his kicking, all of his noise and effort turned the cream into something he could stand on and jump out. Butter. Because Joseph refused to remain uninvolved, God blessed him as he served. God blessed him as he served. In Genesis 39 and 2 in the New Living Translation, it reads, The Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. This was not his dream. This was not what the vision had shown him. This was not where he anticipated himself to be. And yet, because he served and because he went with what was in his life, God blessed him. Not because God was making his dream come to pass. Joseph didn't know that. All Joseph knew was that he was in this place and he needed to make the best of it until God showed up. Can you say amen? And that's what he did. And while he did that, Joseph blessed him. But little did he know, from the day Joseph was put in charge, 
the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs began to run smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he did not have to worry in the world except to decide what he wanted to eat. What a wonderful opportunity that was. You see, that was, that was Potiphar's dream. His dreams were coming true. But then we read as the things began to change and the circumstances in Joseph's life began to be wildly different. And you understand the story of Potiphar's wife and the situation there and how Joseph escaped, leaving his coat behind. And although Potiphar uh, did not truly believe that Joseph had done such a thing, he ended up putting him in prison anyway for the sake of his wife. But in Genesis 29 and 32 and 23, or 22 to 23, it says, Before long, the, Joseph put jo- the jailer put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The chief jailer had no more worries after that because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him, making everything run smoothly. Do you see a pattern in Joseph's life? At Potiphar's house, He was a slave, he was a servant, but he was faithful, and he did the best that he could. In the jailer's house, he was a prisoner, and yet as a prisoner, Joseph still uh, behaved himself and acted appropriately and wisely, insomuch that he was elevated in his position, even in the jailhouse. In Genesis chapter 40, Verses 12 through 15, it it says, I know what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches mean three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will take you out of prison and return you to your position as his chief cupbearer. That was the interpretation of the cupbearer's dream. And please have some pity on me when you are back in his favor. Mention me to Pharaoh. And ask him to let me out of here. I like that Joseph wasn't so resigned to his faith that he was giving up. If there was an opportunity to get out, he wanted it. And he wanted to take it. And he mentions here. uh, Mention me to Pharaoh. Ask him to let me out of here. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in jail, but I didn't do anything to deserve it. Pharaoh's cupbearer, however, promptly forgot all about Joseph and never gave him another thought. Until one day, we read later in Genesis chapter 41, Pharaoh had a dream that no one could seem to understand its meaning. He says in 41, 38 through 40, in the New Living Translation, as they discussed who should be appointed for the job, Pharaoh said, who could do it better than Joseph? 
For he is a man who is obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Turning to Joseph, Pharaoh said, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, you are the wisest man in the land. I therefore appoint you to direct this project. You will manage my household and organize all my people. Only I will have rank higher than yours. Do you notice that because Joseph, he embraced his situation, he administrated the dream, if you will. He, he was uh, over it and he embraced it and he understood it and he realized that not everything in life is going to be fair and not everything in life is going to work out. But all through the process, Joseph remained involved in the things that came his way. When he was in Potiphar's house, he came in only as a servant and only as a normal slave, just like everybody else. But because of Joseph's attitude, and he embraced the situation and made the best of it, even though it wasn't an ideal situation, even though it was not part of his dream, even though it wasn't something that he felt like was a stepping stone to something else, of course, uh, and no doubt had that been us, we would have all felt like our dreams had been shattered, but because when the opportunity came, he embraced it, and he did the best he could. And because of that, Potiphar elevated him. You put him in prison. You get him in there, what are you in prison? You're a prisoner. What rights do you have? Virtually none, especially in that day. But as Joseph embraced his situation, he didn't like it. It wasn't part of his dream again, but it is the situation he was in. So what was his choice? His choice was wherever I am, I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. And so that's what he did again. And what happened again? He was elevated. Was he not? He was chief in the prison. He was over all of the other prisoners. Why? Because of a lost dream? No. But because of his attitude in the administration of that dream. His attitude while God was developing that dream. He did not know. He didn't have a clue. He didn't understand one little bit that prison played a part. He didn't understand that being a slave played a part in what God was doing to bring about his dream. Who would have? Who would have thought, I'm glad to be a slave because God's going to make my dream come true? Yeah, right. Who would have thought, I'm ready to go to prison? Woohoo! I want to be the chief of the prisoners. Like somebody said, you know, we talk about mediocrity. You know what mediocrity is? It's the best of the worst, <laughs> or it's the worst of the best. You pick. Either one of them are not something I want to put on a plaque and hang on the wall. I don't want that on my tombstone. Here sits Stephen Aubrey Horn Sr., mediocre at best. 
I don't want that on my plaque. I don't want that on my tombstone. Joseph embraced it. And there's a lesson to be learned in that for each and every one of us. Because you will notice that in every circumstance, he excelled because of his attitude. Joseph could not have known while he was unselfishly giving himself to the dreams of others. Do you understand that? While he was unselfishly giving himself to the dreams and the needs of other people, that through that, God was literally making his own dreams come true. That's powerful. When his brothers bowed before him, as you know the story, anybody here not know the story of how his brothers came during the famine and they wanted some grain and they wanted some bread and meal and all of that because the famine was so great. They came to Egypt, the only place that had been wise enough to set enough back for a nation. They were only wise enough because of Joseph. And when the brothers came and they sought to buy grain or they sought to get some, guess who they saw? The very men that threw him in the pit, the very men that ripped off his coat of many colors, the very men that had said, we will never bow to you, you little brat. I added that, by the way. The very ones that disdained him and hated him, they are the very ones that bowed before him and sought his help. And at that moment, at that moment, after 20 years, 20 years, at that moment, his dream came true. And his brothers bowed before him, just as God said it would be. Why? Could Joseph have done all those? Yes. So we have to ask ourselves, how can I help administrate the dream? How can I help my dream? come to pass in my life. Number one, don't wait to be asked. You know, if you have to be asked to do something, then you're not being very observant because there are needs all around us. There are needs all around us. I, I was telling somebody uh, a while ago you know, I said, when, when, and, and I try to, to make myself not do this too, but uh, I have on occasion told people, if you need something, just call me. And then I go about my business. And then I'm thinking, well, you know, wait a minute. I know they need something. Otherwise, I wouldn't say that, right? So maybe I ought to better say, look, I know that you need some help tomorrow, so let me know what time to be there. Wouldn't that be a better way to do that? Instead of waiting to be asked, I would be, you know, proactive and become a part of the dream. Offer to take care 
of the details. Be willing to go out of your way. <clears throat> Be willing to detail-oriented. In other words, when he interpreted it for Pharaoh, he said, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to happen. And be willing then, when you share that, if somebody says, well, then just why don't you just go ahead and do it, be willing to do that. Be willing to step up and be what you are called to be. And then thirdly, be enthusiastic about the dream. Be enthusiastic about the dream. Embrace it. Hold on to it. Don't throw it away. Don't let your circumstances steal that dream from you. It was given to you for a reason. It was given to you to bring hope. It was given to you so that you would have something to focus on. Be enthusiastic about it coming to pass. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Hold on to it. Don't let the world or people or circumstances steal your dream. Because you are more than capable of achieving that dream. And even more so, God is capable of bringing it to pass in your life. Just be faithful. There's a reason the Word of God says whatever your hands find to do, just do it with all your might. Stay busy. Stay focused. Keep moving toward that dream all the time. At any point, Joseph could have given up. And everybody would have understood. I mean, who wouldn't understand a person in jail finally saying, you know what, I, I, I give up. I don't know what else to do. I'm here not because of anything I've done wrong, and yet here I am. Who would not understand giving up at that point? I would. But Joseph didn't. And he didn't stop dreaming the dream. Even while in prison, there was a hope. And he said, when you get up there, please remind the king. Tell him about this. Tell the Pharaoh that I'm here and that I've given your vision and I've opened up this dream to you, your understanding. And, and, and the Bible said that he totally forgot about him. But you know the beauty of that? He didn't forget completely about it because somewhere along the line when Pharaoh had a dream somebody somebody somewhere remembered Joseph and said hey we got a guy in prison I don't know if he's any good I don't know if he's truthful but I do know that he's interpreted a few dreams and they've come to pass you know what I like about that? And I'm, I'm closing, but you know what I like about it? Pharaoh didn't balk because he was a prisoner. Pharaoh didn't say, but he's a felon. What can he possibly know? Pharaoh, you see, this is the hunger for the power of God, church, if I can just add this tonight, and not a part of my lesson, but I want to throw this out there. This is how hungry people are for the real and the reality of God. Pharaoh did not even 
care that Joseph was not one of the elevated wise men. He didn't care that Pharaoh, uh, I mean, that Joseph didn't have a reputation in the courthouse. He didn't care that Joseph was not among the elite members of society. The only thing he cared about was, can he tell me my dream? That's it. And sometimes we have to understand what this world is looking for. And this is the power that culminated, came to a, a, a level of, of demonstration in Joseph's life. When it came apparent that God was with him, everybody he came in contact to said, I don't care where you came from. Potiphar said, I don't care that you're a slave. I see something in you. I see a power in you that I don't have. And he said, I'm going to elevate you anyway. Isn't that something? He goes to prison, a prisoner. And somebody in prison sees the anointing of God and the power of God working in his life. Why? Because Joseph continued on the path of his dream. He didn't get angry. He didn't uh, start charging God foolishly. He didn't start beating everybody up around him. He didn't start blaming everybody else. He embraced his situation. And people saw that. And somebody looked at him and said, I know you're a prisoner, but I see something greater in you. I want you to, to be the leader. And then when Pharaoh, you see, everything Joseph touched because of his attitude was made better. That's what people look for. They want a church. They want families. They want friends that simply make things better in their lives. And this kind of dovetails into a message that you very well may hear this coming Sunday. What this world wants, they don't want to know that you believe this or you believe that. They want to see a demonstration of the power of God. They just want to know that you are real. And when they know that you are real and that God is real, then everything else will come to pass. When they saw the power of God working in Joseph's life, because Joseph stayed faithful, because Joseph was committed, because Joseph embraced even the negative situations in his life, he didn't fight the path that God was taking him. He didn't fight against the current in his life. He embraced it. And he made the best of it at each and every moment. And when he did that, people saw something in him that was real, that was powerful, that was wise. And he was promoted every single time. That's somebody I want to hang with. 
That's somebody I want to know more about. Somebody that just seems golden. Why? Because of their attitude. Because of their belief to follow God. You, you see that? Am I, am, I, am I getting that message across tonight? Amen. So embrace the, the things. I'm not telling you that you have to accept every negative thing that comes into your life. But it's your attitude about that thing that makes all the difference in the world. Amen. I can get a flat tire. I can either get out and change it or I can get out and kick every other tire and scream and holler and wave my hands. Guess what? The whole time I'm screaming and hollering and waving my hands, you know what? The tire is still flat. Wouldn't I be better off to put my energies in getting the spare out, jacking the car up, putting it on, and then going and getting it fixed? Wouldn't that be a better way to exert the energies that I have? Would be, wouldn't it? It's all about the attitude. It's all about how we respond. You want to know how to get promoted on the job? Do your job. And do a little extra. People see that. And it opens opportunities up. I'm not going to say that every time it's fair. Sometimes you can work yourself, work yourself and work yourself and somebody else get a promotion. I understand that. Life's not fair. But in the long run, I have seen people that were faithful and just got in there and did a hard work, kept their nose to the grind. Eventually, things worked out for them. Whatever you, you, you find, there's a dream. Embrace where you are right now. Embrace what God is doing in your life right now. And go with it. Do the best you can where you are right now. That's what Joseph did. Never gave up on his dream. Amen. You love the Lord tonight? I always ask that. I think I'd just like to hear you say amen or yes or something.